Quack. Well then, after losing to Georgia, I am your host, Adam Schmidt. And I'm Aaron That is right. This is the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. And Aaron, I just witnessed a miraculous ass-kicking of the UCLA Bruins. I mean, you wouldn't quite think so. I mean, it the score was close, you know, kind of, yep. if you didn't watch yeah, the game. But it the was play a, wasn't, though. It was an ass-kicking. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Uh, Adam? Yes? They might as well change his name to Chirp Kelly wow. because it was crickets for UCLA, <laughs> baby. I like it. Good job. I uh, that's been, been the Quackle Podcast. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, everybody, uh, with another zinger, zinger of the week. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was hyped. I still felt good. I I felt like we had an advantage of it. And the thing that I really walked away with after watching this game was that Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham are here to play like i just loved that they knew what kind of game it was well they went in to win you know what i mean it had it had so many layers outside of the game of football as to the importance of the way they won that game Mm. the coaching staff in particular which is that they basically i feel like did some would you say chip kelly related play style um uh, well that was the funny but maybe thing. like more advanced because chip kelly is out of date and old and should retire because he's lazy <laughs> from all the potato chip from all the potato chip well, chirp kelly okay. i'm sorry i meant to say chirp kelly yeah chirp kelly um i'll tell you this <laughs> yo it really felt um like, we used to call, obviously, they even said it on game day. Like, we used to call, well, they danced around it, but we used to call him Big Balls Chip. Like, right. he went for it, you know? But Dan Lanning definitely was the more aggressive one. Definitely had right. the quote-unquote bigger, heftier balls in this situation. Mainly because, well, first of all, there was that drive in the, I believe, the third quarter which seemingly took off, like, half the game. Like, it was yeah. amazing how long that took. He went yeah. for fourth down in, you know, like, in his own territory twice. Yeah. And and then there was, of course, the play of the game, which was the onside kick. Yeah. And that, that was just amazing. Dude. And then, meanwhile, Chip Kelly is going for field goals. That yeah. is very un-big balls, Chip. I uh, conti- continue is, though. It is so. So that's what I mean, right? Is that because I mean, and then you have the crowd chanting at the end, overrated. That's that's and, foolish. I I can get into that really quick. To but, chant overrated is like we want them to be highly rated because we just beat them. But but yes, it has more to do with the fact that. That is being chanted to the guy mm-hmm. 
who was the last person to actually take this team the distance. I mean, basically. Uh, you could say, So I it mean, just kind of shows that Mark it's Kelsey like, should take oh, shit, the new so. guard is here, is what it feels like. It feels like in the ethereal realm. I get you. There's like a new lead uh, spirit or whatever. It, I mean, this is likely, I do believe, the last time we're going to play UCLA. I mean, uh, I should not Ever? say that. Cause it's, well, it's very possible we're going to play them in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, the way it'll work out. Like, if, if the top Pac-12 teams all beat the teams they should, yeah. then there's a situation. All UCLA would have to do is beat USC, and okay. they're probably facing us. Then let me ask you this. If that's mm -hmm. something you know, mm -hmm. then that means that must be something they both know. Yeah. And so do you think that's why we saw such wild and aggressive things like an onside kick way early in the game? I'll tell you this. Landing. Just kind of fuck with Chip so that way when we do see them again, he's still not sure what we do? I think Landing, I think Landing literally is just being like, our defense is going to have a hard time truly stopping UCLA because they've got a really good and efficient offense like they don't um, they really didn't have the deep threat uh, against us like they really weren't connecting on too many deep balls which is what ultimately like prevented their offense from going fully off um, but DTR did just about everything else pretty well you know like he did, did he up, I think so I think he had a pretty you know, good game though okay, he, almost, look. he almost got picked off a couple of times too but exactly. On, but so they knew that UCLA was going to be able to score points. And yeah. I even heard an interview with Dan Lanning where he was like, we knew what they were doing, um, you know, on special teams. We always knew there was going to be an onside kick potential. And apparently, like he was talking to the press and he was being like, you, some of you saw us practic practicing this. Uh, you know, and we told you if any of you tell anyone, you'll never come in here again, which I thought wow. was really funny. And he's like, he's like, so thanks for not telling anybody. And he's all like, yeah. And so we knew it. And he's like, the first uh, time we kicked, it looked really good. And we were thinking about it like right off the bat. He's like, but we didn't. Second time, it didn't look as good, but it still looked pretty good. But so he didn't go with it. And they're like, and we wanted to do it before bad weather. Because then bad weather adds, you know, a more random kind of mm -hmm. uh, component to it. And so he's like, but the third time, um, it was the worst look of the three. And we still decided to go for it. But I how think do you just, now how, it's a kickoff. Well, it all depends on like what they're showing you. You know, if like one guy, if the place where you're like really looking like we're going to try to place the ball right there, which which uh -huh. looked like just a straight line you know in front of the kicker um he's like if we're gonna place the ball right there then we're sending our two defenders who just flew out there and like got enough of the guy if you see the guy's hips are already out like he's already looking to go block someone on the other side or, or you know like he's not where the ball's gonna be then it's mm -hmm. like hey we got a pretty good shot it all depends on how they line up uh hmm. and but that that was amazing because we were at that point in the game, we had just taken the lead. So it was 17 to 10. We had scored on that 49 yard 
yep. pass. Yeah. That is right. To Troy Franklin. It was a beauty. And then that is when Andrew Boyle does the onside kick. And um, from then on, like we march down the field, ends with the Jordan James two yard run. And so then we're up like 24 to 10. And then yeah. that's when UCLA, so they have success. They go down the field and they settle for a field goal when it was fourth and five at the Oregon 26. That is very un-Big Balls chip. I think that is really the moment we can circle where it's like one team knew what kind of game it was and one team didn't. Right. You know? Well, it helped our defense out so much too because then you got that lead and UCLA has to be so much more desperate. And when they're going for it on fourth down, it's like if we don't get this, it is bad news. When we were going for it on fourth down, it's like we already have a lead, and if we do get this – then yeah. like oh man it's just the the pressure cooker is just a little bit more you yeah know? it was a very fun okay game. i don't have as large of a scope as far as input comes obviously right you know yes it's you hisliday and then whoever is announcing the game yeah. that's how i get my sports call my college sports intake which i think it was heward which is pretty funny but, but anyways everything i've ever seen of chirp kelly Mm -hmm. uh he seems to be a guy who fails a lot to me <laughs> honestly he, that's so funny but hold on, I mean, hold I on. guess he does i guess he does it's in a way. every time he comes into my radar it's because he's not performing well that and it seems true. to be every season he doesn't perform well and he's a roller coaster ride of and you know it never actually but it's just always going down it's certainly not it's sustainable. Never, he's never got highs again. It's just down, 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 down. You are anyway, right, it's certainly not sustainable. But, but then the other thing is that, you know, everybody sings the praises of the DTR. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I didn't see anything from him where I was like, this guy? This is your special guy? Like, this Our is weak sauce at best. We're strong as fuck. Our defense just showed up. They actually did yeah. freaking well, honestly. I mean, they um, did amazing. Mm -hmm. it, oh, I have a – okay. Yeah. I know we're going through the game, but mm -hmm. I did have a, a overarching question for you that was something that, the, the talking heads brought up that I was like, fuck, that's something that I'd love to learn more about. You were like, fuck. Is um, scheduling. Mm-hmm. So when they're referring to that, to the coaches like scheduling their game or whatever, mm -hmm. is that like a checklist that you want to make sure you get this many X before this time and or this many Ys before? Uh, that I well, time? I'll tell you this. What is man. what do they mean by scheduling? What are you trying to schedule? I'm not quite sure when they said that or what they're referring to. But I'll tell you, like, game plan. Do you think it was, like, a game plan or something? Yeah, like they're that using the word scheduling, and it means, like, how they're rolling out the plays. Because whoever the guy is that's up in the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were talking about how he's already thinking a few plays ahead. I get he's you. scheduling out. Dude, this is one of the – and, like, Hitler's been very, very good at pointing all this out and teaching this. I think it's very fun where it's, like, so Kenny Dillingham. So okay, tell me if this rings true to you. Okay, Mario Cristobal's kind of way it felt was like 
We are a more talented team. Our O-line freaking rules. Just like now, our O-line is like top in the country, like easily competing for it. It is a, a truly amazing offensive line. Um, Cristobal used to just be like, we're just going to run it down your throat and then do other stuff off of that. But mainly, we're just going to be a more physical team. And so, and, and there was much less disguising or, or tricking uh, in, in a lot of his place, you know. Okay. Like, and uh, so it'd be like first and second down, he's like much more prone to just like running, running up the gut or something even. You know, like a, a more standard kind of just like brutal offensive power kind of run game. And then what Dillingham is doing a lot of times is he'll like be setting up like screens or different kinds of like play actions or like RPOs or stuff like that. Basically, he'll he'll run a like actually early in the game. He had that quick like screen that almost got like blown up. Like they were even saying like, oh, that almost got like picked off even. Like, it was definitely mm-hmm. probably his worst throw. But like he'll do like a he'll throw the screen to train the defense to be like oh right they just he just threw to the dude like you know right. like shallow like this really is what quickly. Hitler Day was explaining exactly. the whole like Pavlov vibe yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like Kenny Dillingham does that and then even to the point where it's like the next game the next opponent he's already doing it from the film Utilizing that they've that seen. To fuck He's with doing them. that. And especially, wow. remember that that big drive where we were just taking our freaking time? We were acting as if it was the, the like, to ice the game. If We were acting as if it was fourth quarter, we were up by one point, and there was two minutes left in the game. <laughs> because the, the pace that we were going at. Yeah. and uh, But it was really like the third quarter. And we were doing that a lot of, like, the I formation, which is known as just, you know, like, the big, like, Stanford or, like, Wisconsin kind of just, like, big old jumbo boys, like, close to the line, like, uh, package. We're doing that, but we're doing multiple things out of that, too. Like, I think I heard Day say something like, like, nine different plays out of that formation. Where Cristobal... Like, if he were to even go in that formation or, or something like it, it's definitely doing, like, the same thing to his detriment. I gotcha. It's mm-hmm. like, sure, and sure, sure. That We've up. got, yeah. right. I mean, I do that a lot when I play, I mean, one, terrible at Madden. But whenever I play <laughs> Madden, mm-hmm. I normally will only take two different offensive stances. Mm-hmm. And it's normally because I like either multiple run plays or run and throwing plays yeah so i'm always taking the same stance but it's could be throwing it could be running did you ever play that online it's fuck it's fuck no it's i I like (laughs) whenever i feel confident and then you do that and then like they're audibling and you're like okay well i'm gonna change my play and then they do it again you're like okay i'm i've met my match (laughs) I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, no, it gets picked up pretty quick to where if I'm playing a human, like I only play one person and he immediately realizes what's going on and he is always audibling. Yeah. But then, uh, the other, yeah, I can't beat a computer like 40% of the time. But so what is, okay, long mm-hmm. story short, scheduling yeah. is basically deciding 
what's going to happen. Yeah, I think like game from the play we're on now. Game management, uh, game planning. That seems like a better word than, but like staying on schedule. I, I get what he means, but it's also there it is. like staying on schedule. That's how they used it. It all. It, it's also like what Hithaday says though, of just like that first play not being a negative play. Because if it's a negative right. play, you know, second and twelve or something like that, or even second and ten, like you get right. nothing, or second and nine, then your playbook gets less and you know gets more limited. Um, yeah. That being said, dude, holy crap! It did not matter how many yards we needed to get to get the first down. Bonex was gonna get them, and I love yeah. it. Bo- it was either gonna be Bonex or Noah Whittington or Bucky Irving because our run game, what it came down to, where the real confidence was, where I was like, if this is a shootout, I still think the Ducks are gonna win. Is our run? We can stop their run game better than they can stop our run game. Oh yeah, and then we the just onside have... kick happened, but yeah, it's. There's the one kid. There's like the one kid who just seems like a bullet, Bucky Irving. Maybe buddy. Oh, it's, it's just Bucky. all of a sudden he just goes ping ping. Mm-hmm. But Noah Winnington like, is also shit. a great runner. Noah Winnington is also. I mean, we got a bunch of great running backs. A plethora. Of what are we training these kids to do? And at what age? Well, there a lot of them, are, or you know, the ones that we're talking about here are transfers, like Bucky Irving. Uh, oh, that's Minnesota. right. Yeah, no Winnington, Western Kentucky. So, you know, like the coaching Far- staff came in and was just like, uh, who knows? Like, I bet you Travis Dye was like, I'm going to USC. Bye. Like, I'm sure you guys are a great coaching staff. USC sounds more fun right now. It's, I'm closer to home. And by the way, Travis Dye, power to him, honestly, because he's having a great season at USC. He's Good. Killing it. Well, and they love I mean, him there. They they like he's going to be a legendary styles. Yeah. Uh, Mario Cristobal was so bad he actually made someone leave. <laughs> Besides himself, the player is like, I can't handle this anymore. It's oh, too I'm sure. chaotic Dude, up there. I need Chris- regularity. Cristobal's having a tough time. Yeah, I mean. Dude, I'm Cristobal I'm sucks, dude. Let's face the facts. We were oh, hyped yeah. on him, buddy. It's like a he's maybe a bummer train. We should thank him for a few things, which is he recruited like crazy, which really helps us out right now. Like, and not only that, but he was a great offensive line coach. Okay. And our whole senior, like veteran offensive line right now is Is intact and is amazing. You're right. And that's what's made Bo Nix so freaking great. Also, screw screw Mario Cristobal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so glad he's gone. We've definitely upgraded. We we doesn't it feel that way? Uh-huh. It feels like you know that moment when you realize you've maybe aged out, but then you reconnect with the younger crowd, and you're mm-hmm. like, the, you go like, oh shit, I get it. This is the vibe. I feel like. That's what we are receiving with this coaching staff because it's young, fresh def- yeah. thinkers. Dude, Kenny Dillingham, I think that's a huge and honestly, because he kind of like came up with Dan Lanning, I think that could be a favorite. It's like maybe he'll stick around. I mean, if he gets the Arizona State job, which there is like rumors that people are like they could be offering him, it's hard to turn down being a head coach when the iron's hot. 
But but it has happened, and like we may be willing to pay him. Look, I feel like I see the trajectory here, and the trajectory seems like the goal this season is Rose Bowl. The goal next season is a national championship. That's I, the goal. I agree. I think if they could just stick that out, because then the Pac-12 can disseminate and die, and who gives a shit? <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> be so, like, we could just stop college football at that point. For real? A, you know what I hell. mean? Can I tell you this? Um, Yo. Not only that, but that was a huge, huge recruiting weekend for us, having all those players there. Oh, dude, we didn't even get into game day. I, I forgot to mention that I right. went to game day. This episode's um, got so much good content. You were trying to get into the ones and zeros of the game. I'm like, baby, we got overview. Um, Daddy so, went to game day. Not only that, but it was such a good recruiting atmosphere. My man, I'm trying not to sneeze right now. Don't do it. Oh. Don't sneeze. Oh, dear Lord. That was a big sneeze. Sorry, everybody. Huge recruiting weekend. We got like a four-star offensive lineman. Uh, basically off that game is what it felt like. Uh, oh. Ayapani Lalaulu. I believe Lalaulu. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Why do I know uh, that name? I'm very, well, because he's a duck. That's why. And then right. um, I do, oh, yeah, that's right. A tight end as well. Uh, AJ Pugliano. AJ Pugliano. I bet you it's Pugliano. I should definitely know because where is he from? He's from goddamn North Medford. He went to my high school from Medford, Oregon. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. New favorite player, just like Coda, who also spent some time in Medford and Brady Breeze as well. And Bill Bowerman. These are the men of Medford, Oregon, just like wow. me. One day I <laughs> I'm will. I'm glad we got that list. <laughs> this is this segment is just for me. Game um, day, focus. We got to get to game about day. It. Uh, should we should we invite our guest for this conversation? Uh, you know so what? I, I can think talk you'd have at a them to hear it too. Let's bring him on. Why not, ladies and gentlemen? Without further ado, Hithla Day. Woo! Hey Hithla Day, how's it going, man? uh it's been pretty good uh this was a fun game to review and <laughs> my article just mm-hmm. went up that I game bet. we were i mean we were just talking about it for me personally the play of the game is the onside kick well sure i, I mean it, it um you know steals the possession from ucla you know it's funny um uh, both of these teams you probably recall from when we were talking to, to michael hannah um you know both of these teams uh Every time they won the coin flip, they deferred, you know, like they, they wanted to get the ball in the second half. And so Michael mm-hmm. and I were joking, like, well, this game is just going to come down to the coin flip because um, like both these teams want to win the middle eight, you know, meaning like the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. So UCLA wins. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, but then <laughs> uh, uh, Oregon gets basically the last possession of the second quarter. You know, because right. they, they go on one of their, you know, famous death drives, uh, you know, where they, <laughs> they squeeze out all the time off the clock and like the final play is a touchdown. Um, and then UCLA gets the ball for the second half, but then they kick their third field goal of the day. Um, and and there's enough time, you know, and so the middle eight goes seven to three to Oregon. And so they lost the coin toss, but they still won the middle eight, which is like that's 
you know. Um, so anyway, That's having your cake and eating it too, basically. So like, uh, yeah, the onside kick means that um, you know I, I count garbage time as beginning when uh, Cam McCormick's touchdown gets scored and Oregon goes up by twenty two points um, late mm. in the third quarter um, after the death drive. You know, like that 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 was Oregon. You're really trying to trademark this. It seems like uh, death yeah, duck, got a lot of death duck drive is that a duck well, death I, i'm making a yeah, postmodern yeah. philosophy reference but anyway the uh oh it's over my head uh basically you know that's oregon's sixth possession um and it ends with a, a touchdown that puts the game into garbage time ucla only had four possessions before that happened right because oregon took one from them on that onside yeah. kick technically they had a fifth but it was like one second long after you know that they just kneeled down at the end of the second half or, or second quarter um you know that one doesn't really count but anyway the uh yeah six to four you know is a good trade-off when when every team scores every time they touch the ball um, yeah and, and two of those were field goals like they settled for field goals. three of them three out of their three, of the, oh, wow. their four meaningful possessions ucla kicked field goals on three of them which was probably wow. a mistake in like two of them were it was third and long or fourth and long situations so like i, I you know i get it but like the one in, in between was third and five and chip should have gone for it like i'm sure in hindsight we he's kicking himself why we mentioned it earlier. I don't know. Well, we mentioned it earlier, know. and we said it really, uh, like narrative wise, it was very funny that it felt like like Chip was kind of like deballed in this game, and the balls were ceremoniously handed to Dan Lane. Uh, uh, what are your I, thoughts on that? I feel like I, it was the new gods killing the old gods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't like the metaphor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they even brought it up on game day, which really quickly I should say this is when I knew. I honestly knew the Ducks were going to win. Um, so here's the day I went there because I was like, I really want to hold the Quack Twelve Podcast logo. I saw you know, it. in the air. I, I actually on game saw day. you on game day. I saw you waving the Quack Twelve sign. There you go. It's was it? Was it? Uh, I think I've got the shot here. It was the, know, when Herbie sure. was going past. Exactly. Yep. So that took a couple hours because <laughs> I got there. Because I had heard the much. rumor. I had heard the rumor that people were being like, oh, you should get there like two in the morning. You're you're going to be like seen on TV, basically. Mm. Now, I made this sign here. It's beautiful. It's just the logo. Gorgeous. Um, gorgeous. Now, how did you make it? Because it looks professional. I went to like FedEx office. Huh. And not I, like, sponsored. Not sponsored. Absolutely not. Um, had a great time there though. They could be a sponsor <laughs> if they wanted to be. Um, and I got that. It's just like printed out on a piece of paper. And I got that laminated. And then I got some uh, basically like uh, I, I'm kind of forgetting what. But just a board at the duck store actually could be a sponsor there too. And I stapled it to the board and then I put duct tape kind of rims around it <laughs> duct um, tape yeah that's the name of my article <laughs> also could also could be a sponsor yeah the name of oh, yeah, uh the, do you got a screenshot article. of you on the tv oh yeah i got it i got it i'm going through it here pop that um, baby up and so i get there at because i saw people there at 2 p.m the day before gross I got a picture of the first two people to be there at game day Nice. Uh, 
it was and the funny thing was one of them is not wearing duck gear and is holding a sign that says stayed up all night for game day and in fact he did i'm sure but like the sign doesn't look very good either too uh, it just made me laugh that you would get oh, it at 2 oh, so the day before. one trip to fedex kinkos and suddenly you're a sign chauvinist i get it uh-huh. well uh-huh. you know no one's gonna I read mean, no one's gonna the, be able to read it no everybody take a moment it. and look in the top right hand corner of this screen mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah well that's you want that's logos and then uh here we go so i finally got the money shot because it became like I got there at one in the morning, and there was like three hundred people there. Uh, Jeez! I, and they were like, it was actually the most generic college scene because it was there's probably like twenty people, like frat guys and togas in front of so me. So, if uh, you're there at were, one a.m., mm-hmm. what are you doing to kill the time? Uh, I had my headphones in. I was listening to podcasts and talking to people around, looking at signs. Did you ever walk out. around? Yeah. No, you got to be in the line. Like I gotta... had to be straight up in a line. There was like three hundred people there. Um, the wow. toga guys puking all over the place. One of them, even though there is uh, like twelve porta potties, like ten feet away, goes and is pissing on the campus and shit. So it was kind of a scene. That's when I knew we were gonna win, though. Um, and then this is the money shot. They're like, oh, he's pissed yeah, on the is. magic bush. I remember we win. You saw it. Yeah, I, baby. I, I knew when they were clearing it out for the motorcycle that that's that's where I was going to be able to do it. So that's my little Did, uh, Okay, so up. you looked for that location and you beelined it to get in that spot. No, so it was crazy like um there was a moment where they're like, "Okay, they're starting to let people in." It was probably like 4 in the morning. Um wild. Yeah, it was crazy. And there is a moment where I could choose is like you either stay in this line with the hopes that maybe you could be in the very back of the pit where which is what I was hoping is like, you know, when they have the shot of just a Corso or Herb Street or something talking, and they have the sign set. Maybe I could get that or mm-hmm. you can get in front of like the back, but you kind of had to make your decision and I just had to broke out with the crowd. It was pretty nuts. Uh, that crowd was very lit. Yeah, it actually was, was it, pretty uh, fun. Like a hazy environment at all, if you know what I mean? <laughs> no, surprisingly not. These, Were people uh, steering it up? <laughs> no, this younger generation is not as cool as as we once were. They're yeah. no, they're just doing illegal drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're on pills. <laughs> uh, yeah, weed's no longer cool because now that it's legalized. Um, but I mean, people were wasted. I can tell you that people were feeling cozy. It was very fun. I even bumped into a fellow podcaster, uh, MF Reed. He's known on Twitter who just is part of, uh, no truck stops podcast. Yeah. Shout out to your breakfast with no truck stops here. That's yeah. Awesome. And I had breakfast with Carlos of no truck stops podcast. And that was uh, famous... after the taping. Yeah. No, that was, um, after the taping, what are you talking about? After, after the... being on live television? Yeah, after. So I went from game day right to having breakfast with him. Then he went to watch Love his it. team get crushed by the Oregon Ducks. It was beautiful. Love it. It was, it was so nice. I, I do like that the No Truck Stops podcast has more Oregon representation now than The Athletic does. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I haven't been keeping up with The Athletic. But yeah, that's uh, there you go. I mean, in this podcast, is like 
double that, triple that right now. So that's pretty good. Um, Does Aaron count? Day, uh, no, a, you, he has that duck mug, mm-hmm. and that's. I like, like the colors of your sweatshirt, Aaron. Thank yeah, you. He's wearing green. Is that actually an yellow? Oregon sweatshirt? Or is it just a coincidence? Coincidence. Definitely. Yeah. Um, any more thoughts in this game? No. Let's let's get deeper into this uh, Oregon UCLA game. I, okay. I don't know. The, I, I have more thoughts I, about I, game I day, time. which was that like uh, Sabrina was quite a performer. Yeah, she was really fun. Uh, like a lot I, of I times when they a... get an athlete on, like I, I I'm honestly kind of worried that they're just going to be like wooden and dead. And like, nah, she was she was pretty, you know, she was pretty lit up. That was cool. And then uh, no and then there was an actual by a million. Duck that like uh, mm-hmm. that tried to escape. <laughs> I loved that. Well, I love it too because it was like I remember thinking it was like, yeah, we don't do puddles anymore because capturing a duck just to show in front of a giant crowd is cruel. But it's like we kind of just brought it back, even though I'm sure it's a trained duck, it's a Hollywood duck. But it's like well, the Hollywood still there. It's still we have this duck and we're forcing it. But but I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed puddles being brought forced back into uh into show business like king kong i loved it escaping and and everyone being horrified also like lee corso choosing the duck head like kind of brought a tear to my eye that was really nice to see classic corso duck head uh i i had a great yeah it seemed like they were pretty genuinely impressed i mean you know it's their job to seem impressed with the crowd that's there but they seemed pretty pretty stoked and like i i've heard a lot of different like big like uh, i forget his name i don't know who this dude is but people seem to really know him this is his name pat pate is that his name he's a sec josh pate video there you go yeah pate. He's i don't a, know this guy he's he's the one of the podcast slash radio guys for 247 he's got his show oh well, he came to Eugene, uh, and he seemed really impressed with it, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, Pat Mc... Uh, <laughs> I'm really showing McAfee. myself to not know. Yeah, McAfee, he, t- he admitted to, like, smoking trees in Eugene. It made me laugh so why, hard. Why wouldn't you? Uh, on his show, he was just like, yeah, I came to Eugene. I saw those trees. I smoked those trees. Yeah. <laughs> he had a great time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was a great It was a great day, I got to say, even with all the rain everywhere but Autzen. And uh, I-, I love that it wasn't... I mean, I don't think UCLA fans really would have blamed anything on the rain. What did the but, campus look like afterwards? Um, I don't know. I don't think it was trash. There were certainly beer like cans all over the place. But it wasn't like a horrible scene. I'm sure it was cleaned up really quickly. I don't know. I also like that. Did you bring booze in? No, I don't drink. But everyone else around me was wasted. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, the oh, Lillis, where they were at, like within maybe 200 feet, there's like three bars that open at four in the morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God, really? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a whole lot of people that were just being like, the bars are closing out, being like, okay, let's walk 30 yards to join the line yeah, to right. be on game day. Time out. Fun. Mm-hmm. A bar opens at 4 a.m. in Eugene, Oregon. Well, Something, on yeah. Saturdays for in the fall, yeah. like people why wouldn't really you? Those those people country. need right. Okay, those people need Bloody Marys and country fried steaks. I mean, and yeah. So why not just stay open twenty four hours? You, you can't. 
you can't legally. So you have to close at 2 a.m. and then you can open up at 4 a.m. two hours later? You can open up at 5 a.m., but like, oh, ever since COVID, there's been some little outdoor seating. There's been a little, you know, service through the through the door. Like, yeah. Okay. That's Funny. why we got to open the place that opens from 2 to 4. <laughs> yeah. The donut shop. The donut. I mean, honestly, donut that shop is what the donut shop slash pizzeria. Hey, podcast listener. Hey, come you. over here. Come yeah. over here. Get over here. Yeah. Nice headphones you got in here. Oh, yeah, I like those, Chevy. Be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? <laughs> Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack 12 Twitter account. And gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you're listening to your new podcast steps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the Quack 12 page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, Quack 12, give us five stars. Yeah, the internet, you got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing if you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us fucking five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then, uh, you know, uh, oh, hey, hey, look at, look at this podcast listen on their long inner, inner uh, continental flight. Making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby. By covering it up. Wah, wah, so they say. Putting on them headphones. Trying to get the sky waitress's attention. Get over here. Give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be part of the rock and roller club at the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars, that's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey, let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack, quack!
I, I like that Kirk Herbstreet picked against the Ducks to avoid jinxing it. Like, I'm sure, I, I'm 100% certain that if, like, Desmond Howard had picked UCLA, he would have gone with the Ducks. But, like, if they go straight across the board, the Ducks are doomed. So he was like, I got to save you guys. I got <laughs> to pick funny. UCLA. That's great. Um, I, I think, I mean, not only the onside kick was definitely very fun to watch. My favorite drive was when that one that seemingly took the, almost an entire quarter. It took it took the, half the of a death quarter. Drive. It took seven and a half minutes. Like yeah, in fifteen. Plays. Beautiful. And um, I the thing it, like yeah, it's cool that the onside kick like stole a possession, and that meant that the game was effectively over um in late in the third quarter, but yeah. uh, or at the end of that drive, so like halfway through the third quarter, um, but. You know, when I ran the efficiency numbers after charting it, like, um, an Oregon win was, you know, absent crazy stuff. I, you always have to put that asterisk next to it because, like, college football's crazy. There could be, you know, weird, you know, special teams turnovers or whatever. But, like, absent that, like, if you just, like, mm. you know, if you let this game run, uh, you know, 10 hours long, you know, if there were like 70 quarters of football instead of four, like Oregon would have won that game. Like Oregon's efficiency numbers were better. Um, you know, Oregon's offense versus UCLA's defense was a better matchup than UCLA's offense versus Oregon's defense. Um, and in like, not just from the efficiency where it's, you know, only a small advantage because UCLA's offense was, you know, pretty from an efficiency perspective, pretty effective against Oregon's defense, but where Oregon was winning the game was, um, they were getting more chunk yardage plays and that their yards per play was higher, like significantly mm -hmm. higher. So like um, Oregon was getting, you know, 10.7 yards per attempt uh, in meaningful play <laughs> and, and, and 36% of them were, you know, 15 plus yard gains, which is, you know, and UCLA is actually um, pretty, pretty decent at stopping um, really explosive play, like really explosive plays, like 40 plus yard plays. Mm. But like Oregon was effectively attacking, you know, their runs were getting 10 to 14 yards a whole lot and their passes were getting like 15 to 25 yards a whole lot. And then UCLA would shut them down. So they couldn't like go the entire field in a single play. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, Oregon was effectively getting, you know, that sort of intermediate range. And so, uh, whereas UCLA, even though their efficiency numbers were, you know, almost as good as Oregon's in terms of like the, their success rate, right. You know, like given the down and distance, they got enough yards to like keep going and keep going. And then they get, you know, convert a, and get another, you know, fresh set of downs. Uh, you know, they were, their gains were like, they were shorter, right. They were only getting a couple of yards every run because they were having to run through contact all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Oregon's runners were getting like eight yards up the field before anybody touched them. Um, yeah. And like in the Charbonnet was like a beast and like running through. Oh yeah. No. And that was amazing. Or, yeah. And I, I'm sitting there just like screaming and pulling my hair out. Cause like tackle him, tackle him, tackle him. But like, you know, when he's got to do that and they get like five yards and convert the first down, like it kind of, you know, it, like perversely, like obviously what Oregon would have wanted is three and outs. Right. I'm not saying that they, you know, played a perfect game on defense far from. But the next mm -hmm. best scenario for them defensively is, yeah, they got five yards and a first down and now they got to do this all over again. 
And now they got to do this all over again. Now they got to do this all over again. So they have to methodically march down the field. And then at the end of a drive that took them four and a half minutes and 10 plays, they then kick a field goal because they, you know, Oregon, you know, bows up in the, in the uh, red zone. And, uh, and so now you just took, you know, four and a half minutes and 10 plays off of the clock to get three points, you know, doing it five yards at a time. That's the other thing is in the passing game too, you know, Oregon was limiting to only 6.7 yards per passing attempt Yo. and only 9% wow. of their plays gained 15 yards. So like, let me repeat that 36% of Oregon's passes got 15 plus yards. 9% <laughs> of UCLA's passes got 15 Amazing. plus yards, right? Oregon was four times as likely to get a 15 plus yard passing play as UCLA was. And like, there's your difference in the game. So if you, you know, anybody yeah. wants to like go attack the Oregon defense, like they, you know, Sure, there's some room for criticism there, but, you know, the net effects was that, you know, Oregon was able to control the tempo, you know, when they had the ball and moved, you know, more effortlessly and more effortlessly. Yeah, that's word that that phrase works. Uh, We checked it. uh, And and effectively in the red zone, whereas UCLA would have like a similar efficiency rate, but they weren't getting as many points and it was taking them more time and and you know they they had to fight and claw and struggle just to get five yards and conversions and so like you know the net effect is that you know and then when you add the onside kick so now it's six possessions to four instead of five to Mm. five like okay well that's why it's game over but but like it it would have ultimately resulted in oregon win if this was sustained over you know a hundred quarters of football like you know, question, and, and it came down to Oregon's offense was a little more effective against UCLA's defense than UCLA's offense was effective against Oregon's defense. At the end. Go ahead, Aaron. Was UCLA's like st- statistically speaking and talking about that efficiency stuff? Was UCLA in this game comparable to the past games of this season, or did we actually bring their numbers down? Does that make sense? Oh, no. Oregon, well, in the efficiency game, Oregon's defense performed about as well as uh, UCLA's previous four opponents. Um, You know, the uh, that those scores there, I mean, it's a couple of points here and there, but like basically UCLA was as efficient as uh, against Oregon as they have been all year long. However, okay, in the yardage and explosiveness, uh, uh, hold on a second. I actually calculated this in my article, so I'm pulling my article. Sick. It is in the um, in yardage. Uh, UCLA was getting 2.2 uh, adjusted yards per play uh, less against Oregon than they were against their previous opponents, and UCLA was had 10.5 percentage points um, less frequent explosive plays. Uh, Shit, that's basically a first down every four plays it's eight yards we're stopping first downs kind of well it's more like it it, it, they were getting first downs but it would it you know it would it took them longer to drive down the field and in a game where time is at a premium because Oregon's making it a low possession game yeah like that's Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you want to force them into so so not only did it work out strategically, but like if anybody was like, oh, this defense was just, you know, tissue paper and UCLA was getting whatever they wanted against them. That's not true. Oregon limited to 2.2 fewer yards per play, which is a big number. That's a, you know, that's a big number. Uh, and and they're essentially they were getting explosive plays at about half the rate 
that they were against previous opponents. You know, right. that was Oregon's Plus, strategy. And it's also sort of explains the efficiency numbers, right? Like, because the way that they were limiting explosive plays was playing the safeties back and playing the linebackers back. So they weren't like aggressively crowding the box. So like, yeah, it was easier for them to get those five yard plays, but it was much harder for them to get any sort of explosive play. And you saw it every time that Dorian Thompson Robinson attempted a deep pass, it was hitting the hands of Oregon defenders. Yeah, because like that's where because because that's where Oregon defense allocated their resources. I mean, it would have been nice if the light boxes they were playing also stopped the run, but they weren't because Charbonnet is like impossible to bring down. Do you think is he's the best running back in the Pac-12? Would you say that Uh, at that at that skill? I would say yes. Yeah, hmm. just just being a Royce Freeman. It's, it is difficult like, to evaluate yeah. running backs on different teams because they're all playing behind different offensive lines of varying right. qualities, and and the season's only halfway through, so I haven't really seen everybody against like a comparable set of defensive lines. So I, I'm not willing to weigh in on that question, but I I will weigh in on you know I've watched all these different running backs go into tackles, and you know I can calculate how frequently they break a tackle and get extra yardage, and Charbonnet is yes at the top of that list. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he the. I mean, to me, Joe Schmo, podcaster dude. He certainly seems like someone who's like could be on an NFL team, maybe and successfully on an NFL team because that dude just looks real big and strong. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people. What's interesting is suddenly a lot of people uh talking more about like our linebackers' performances in this game. Uh, how did they like tally out? How did our specifically? I mean, you know who we're talking about when we say like the linebackers talking about um, like, Sewell and flow, uh, mm. Sewell flow and Bossa were the significant ones in this game. Um, yeah. Uh, Sewell played a very good game. Um, he doesn't show up a whole lot, but you could see the ways that um, UCLA was essentially angling their plays to run away from him. So like they were afraid of, him. well, that's showing up right there. Right. Right. But that's something that you're only, you know, it's a negative, right? It's, it's measuring right. a negative, um, which like nobody's going to notice unless you do film study and guess what? <laughs> you're, you're talking to the <laughs> only one. Um, um, Flo did not have, a I hope game. the Seahawks do it. Flo had a couple of, of good plays. I put one of them in my article, but like, nah, he, he, he missed on a bunch of stuff. Um, like his, mm. it's really clear that his development is behind, um, based on missing all the time that he's missed due to injuries like um you know it's it's just unfortunate but you know it's the reality and then bossa is uh you know there's one play that picks on him it's not he's the he's the guy who gets picked on and when i say picked on i mean like he's rubbed by the structure of the play like he's not able Mm -hmm. to get over to the wheel route in time um and then oregon later you know corrects it structurally by playing a dime package against that and then brian addison um uh comes down and demolishes the same that exact same play or almost exact same play that scored (laughs) ucla's only touchdown during meaningful play is a wheel route to keegan jones which actually was a real tendency breaker for ucla they were not throwing balls on wheel routes to the running backs at all or hardly Mm -hmm. ever um this year and never to keegan jones that was literally his first catch out of the backfield over the last five games um at least prior to garbage time anyway um and so you know combine that with the rub route so the boss gets you know can't get over in time they get a touchdown out of that um 
the next time they run it, Oregon's in a dime package. Brian, they it, they do the same. There, there's two different motions that are involved. There's a pre-snap motion, which number zero is coming from Z receiver inside the formation, and the tight ends sort of go out. And Addison recognizes it instantly. He's like, I've seen this before. And he makes a beeline for the running back and clips him. Not, not sorry, not clip. That's a penalty. I don't mean it that way. Uh, he just hits him in the legs, which is where you're supposed to hit him, uh, and and brings the dude down instantly. And right. you know, a big stop on 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 third down. Um, yeah, it was great. You know, they they then That's go. Great. I believe they converted the fourth down that came after that. But it was like the, I appreciated seeing that because that was the defense like recognizing and adapting, which was cool. Nice. Because like Chip brought out some new stuff. Um, he, he brought out a formation that he hadn't run before, which was a tackle over play with two tight ends, their big wide receiver and the running back all stacked one, two, three, four on one side of the line. And and then the the left tackle was over to the right. And so that's a tackle over play, which on UCLA's uh, play sheet are called tacos. Um, and so I've been coming up with different like so like a so like a, a taco with a with a uh, tight end slicing underneath is a, ta- a Baja taco. Who's Baja means tiger, right? Nice. Um, and like Oregon's taco play where they have uh, a tackle over and then they bring in Josh Connerly and is the sixth offensive lineman. I call that the taco grande play. Um, nice. And the, the one oh, where man. it's taco, but then you stack a bunch of, um, you know, four dudes, one, two, three, four on top of each other. I'm calling that one the gordita crunch. Because that's mm. the one at Taco Bell where it's like a hard taco wrapped in a soft taco. Right. Oh, oh, we know. Taco Bell, uh, you could be a sponsor. Yeah, I know. Well. Like, there's a lot Gladly. of sponsors for this podcast that are possibilities. Oh, my God. I would so glad. Question be. about Flo. Mm-hmm. Would you say his underperformance is because he's not progressing physically? Or no. would you say it's because he's misreading? It's 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 football IQ stuff. It's it's yeah. just sort of it's experience. It, it's just the sort of stuff that you pick up playing at a high level of college. Like his entire career, he's been the most physically gifted human being on the field. Um, and a lot of times with guys who are at a high school like that, it's like it takes some time to refine them, their play, because like all of a sudden they're playing against dudes who are on their level physically. Right. And right. like, so it requires like, no, you should tackle that guy low, not high. Or mm. you can't, you know, come at that dude a million miles an hour because he's going to make one slight little move inside and you're going to go flying. Right. Him. You know, so it's so it's like and I, when I say football IQ, I, I don't mean that he's not an intelligent person. I'm sure that he is. What I mean is it's, it's just sort a, of it's on the job's experience, you know, like. And yeah, it's, it's just a his, steep learning curve based off of it's like you always want to play against someone better than you. Yeah. And it's so it's it's split second decisions too yeah right so, and yeah. so like he's just missed so much time in 2020 and in 2021 that Noah Sewell was getting um that like so they came in at the same time with basically the same star rating I think Justin Flo is actually physically more gifted than Noah Sewell but Noah Sewell is way ahead of him in terms of you know mm-hmm. value on the field as a linebacker it's the amount of playing time he's yeah had. it's it's as simple well, as that but yeah. that seems it, like it's also not the worst news, right? Because that's something no. he could get better at over yes. the season to where he's really. Yeah. Fucking, even if, though he's going to be eligible. Some cupcakes on the schedule coming. Yeah, up, right. right. Even though he's eligible to go to the NFL at the end of this year, I actually would not be surprised if what happens is if uh, Noah Sewell declares early, but Justin Flo decides to come back and that play another sense. year. Because I really do think he would probably improve his draft stock if he did that. Mm-hmm. It would make a lot of sense. Okay. Well, that's good news. I was concerned it was 
irreparable. Like this guy, this we've I mean, seen a ceiling, and this is it. it. May be like it, it, I mean, this just happens. Like I, I follow the rule of thirds. You know, like uh, 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 any given pool of recruits, a third of them are gonna work out for you and be great players. Like Nozul is. A third of them are gonna be like uh, backups, or you know they're, they're going to be somewhere in between, you know, the, you'll get a good year out of them and then they'll get injured or the, then they mm-hmm. transfer or, you know, they, they're just a lifelong backup. They never really rise to start a position, but they're, you know, serviceable, uh, you know, and then the final third of them are just going to wash out They're you know, they're just going to be busts like, and it happens and you just got to live with it. And when you're doing like analysis of other teams rosters or, or your own team's roster you just gotta like you gotta understand that like that's just gonna happen and the, you should only be like ringing the alarm bell if it's you know if the bus rate is higher than expected so like you see all the time people on twitter who are like oh man you got this five star and he didn't work out for yeah. you you guys must suck and it's just like that's a single example get out of here with that like do you did right. you not take a stats class like and the answer mm-hmm. usually is yes because i mean there's three of us and we're not all bu- busting. <laughs> tub, right? I mean, literally, yeah, right? your analysis. Here it is. Here's the three <laughs> levels. Shit. We proved the rule, didn't we? Yeah, right. um, hey, good news, though. It's the end. Uh, you know, we are in a movie. We are in Footloose, and we're at the end of Footloose where John Lithgow is deciding maybe you can ah, yes. dance and not have it being an insult yeah. to God. Dan Lanning pans dance band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that should really be the headline there. I mean, and it felt like the perfect time to bring it back of just like you've got to. It, it felt like a smart coach well, mover is like honestly rewarding the crowd yeah. because like yeah you got to earn it day and then they earned it. it yeah. yeah, and they earned it yeah, and there was it, it was a mistake. It was like the penalties were were you know all pretty forgivable or like how you know, long it was, was it pretty, gone? Not many. It was gone for it was one only game. for like that one game, right? Well, because Oregon's been playing on the I don't road think a lot. You use the term "bring it yeah. back." They, they <laughs> I had mean, to go on it the was road. gone. Yeah, they were on the road to Wazoo, and then they were at home against Stanford, and that was the penalty game. And Lanning was like, oh, "I don't like this." Oh, and he also didn't smart. like, and he also didn't like some of the things that were happening right after the third quarter at BYU, which was their previous home game. So then, <laughs> then they go on the That's road right. again That's to Arizona. Right. No dancing in Arizona. They're like they're they're all sticking they actually it. and it was an it was yeah. an empty stadium by the third quarter so what would you even dance right to? uh yeah. and then they had the bye week so this was their first week back at home after the proposed dance ban so like yeah mm-hmm. so we never actually saw a dance band yeah exactly it never his happened. heart yeah his heart there grew was three one sizes week where there was a dance band yes the one there was game. a hypothetical dance band but then he right but but then before it could go into effect his he his heart That's was so gladdened funny. By, no uh, one has danced in Eugene since that band. Like the people of Eugene, mm-hmm. I should say that. I'm living here. I've oh. witnessed it. I'm in the dance clubs every night, and no, everyone's refusing to. Hitler Day. So was silent that night. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, the rest of UCLA schedule, they're going versus Stanford at ASU versus Arizona versus USC. That's the big one mm-hmm. at Cal. Do you think let's say I'm not I'm going to take the hypothetical out for Oregon. I'm just going to say let's not knock on wood. We make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Do you think if you were a betting man, would you put your money on UCLA being the opponent? Hmm. No, I would put my money on USC being the opponent. Fair enough. Yeah, it comes down to that. I mean, I don't think any of them cross over the 50 percent. 
Mark, like, I don't know how this is going to play out, but like, if, if USC wins that game, then USC's in because USC schedule is real light. Um, yeah. And, uh, and they've never disappointed before. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather have that because, uh, just, just to get, you know, like both traders on the schedule. And if we beat both of them, it would feel real. I mean, to be, I, it would be a li- it would be like, kind of perfect. Yeah. And, and it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I always enjoy playing a new team rather than a retread. It'd be great. And it's still the same thing of like, can they stop the run? I guess I'll not put it really? this way. Even okay. though USC is not on the schedule for Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, I've been collecting all their film. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So might as well, might as well use it. Um, any, any last thoughts on this, on this wonderful, wonderful game, y'all? Um, uh, well, let's see. I, oh, um, there was a couple, uh, interesting, um, you know, I, I've been, I've been kind of geeking out about the I formation, uh, that Oregon's yeah. been running, uh, going into this game, they had run seven different plays, uh, out of it. So, so inside power, outside power, quarterback, sneak, fullback, dive, um, a little leak out that came McCormick scored a touchdown on against Wazoo, mm-hmm. a, a bootleg that turned into a scramble, uh, against Stanford. And, uh, and then that sweep motion, um, the to to Madaval that the, they scored a touchdown uh, against Arizona in this game they added two more um they added a uh, a fullback wheel um that uh, Patrick Herbert caught um for a big first yeah. down um and uh and then in garbage time they ran um a bootleg to a tight end out um I think it was Ferguson who got that ball um uh, so yeah, they're up to nine different plays that they've run out of the eye formation and they've added ever since they started using the eye, they've added one to two plays every game. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to, you know, by the end of the season, they're running like a dozen and a half plays out of the eye. Yeah, like, like Bucky Irving passes to Bo Nix for a touchdown out of the eye. That's what I'm expecting. Oh, that would be sick. I don't know how. Just run but, some yeah. trick plays out of the yeah. Um, yeah, I, apparently Chip Kelly was quoted as saying, like, Oregon didn't do anything really new. Like, we were, you know, they didn't do anything that we didn't expect and practice against. And uh, really? Yeah. And, and somebody asked me, you know, on Twitter, like, is that true? And I said, yeah, it's basically correct. Like, there are some wrinkles, you know, that they added, like, like I just mentioned. But, like, um, they're all things that you can extract. Like, it's not like you know, Oregon ran totally new stuff. They would run the same formation and then they'd, you know, use it a little differently, but those are all things that defenses have to be able to extrapolate. So like, I'm sure that Chip Kelly is correct that they were like, okay, so one possibility they could do is this fullback wheel. So we have to know how to cover that. And then they just didn't do it. Like on that play, they, they just didn't do the safety was just staring in the backfield, expecting a run and, and the duty supposed to cover runs right past him. Um, so, like, you know, Chip's indicting the execution of his players in that sense. Um, and he. Yeah, he's either. I mean, I, talking shit on his players or he just doesn't give a fuck that he's not I good think at he's, coaching. I think he's being real. He's like, yeah, they, I mean, they didn't do that much. It's just they were the better team. We played in Austin. They're, they truly have more talent on their team in the rosters. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that, that shows up. Like, when you do the charting and you sort of, like, pull out the. the the all the other stuff you know and you just like throw all the mm-hmm. numbers up in the air is you find that like it's not that ucla is a bad team i don't think they are you know a bad team um but like 
Oregon was a better team. Or this is okay. So right. this I gotta be real careful with the comparison I'm about to make. Um remember when Oregon played Georgia and mm-hmm. um Oregon what and everybody sort of accurately after that game said, you know what, Oregon was actually moving the ball fairly you know well they were just you know there was some turnovers and they weren't finishing drives they had to settle for field goal that one time and and uh but like mm-hmm. and then even kirby smart the georgia coach at the end of the game was like we never really stopped them not stopped them stopped them um you know and then on the other hand georgia's offense was just so effective against oregon's defense that they turned that game into garbage time super fast and at that point you know the you know, Oregon's offensive becomes one dimensional and becomes sort of a runaway effect. Um, and uh, uh, so watching this game, and again, I got to be really careful about this comparison because I'm not saying that Oregon is Georgia, but like Oregon did to UCLA it, what Georgia did to Oregon in the sense of like UCLA was moving the ball, but they weren't converting them into touchdowns and it was taking a long time. And then their, their UCLA's defense was getting so shredded by Oregon's offense. Now UCLA's defense was not shredded by Oregon's offense as effectively as Oregon's defense was shredded by Georgia's offense. But nonetheless, they were, they were getting to some extent shredded by Oregon's offense effectively enough that like, and then the game was over, you know, <laughs> Jesus, Adam. Makes uh, sense. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it like and, and like. Remember how you felt watching the Georgia game? That must be how UCLA fans, you know, felt watching. It's like we're moving the ball, but we're not getting points, and they're uh, just killing us on offense. We can't stop anything that they're doing. Oh, they had another explosive play. Like, God, that must have been torture for UCLA fans. Um, they, they'll they'll dry right. their eyes with Big Ten dollars, I guess. But like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to yeah. We got to get the W's over the traders while we can. Um, I got this message uh, through our website, the Quack12Podcast.com website, uh, from a Mister Quack Quack. All right, he says, "Hey guys, I'm a Buffs fan, and I ended up taught. I, I may." I, uh, I'll edit over maybe he doesn't want his name shared <laughs> so I'll have a little bleep or a quack over there hey guys I'm a Buffs fan and I ended up talking trash on the Ducks before the season started I ended up in a bet and if the Ducks win over my Buffs this week which is not really possible because they play in two weeks um, I will have to get my head shaved and painted I really had believed that we would have a breakout season this year, so not looking good for my team, and I'm supposed to reach out and let you guys know about this. I don't know why we were chosen for this. But, um, because we are the Oregon Ducks, my dude. Is there something you-, you want to cover on your podcast? I'm answering this email. Yeah, let's cover by it. List- by saying it on here. I don't know. We're not like stepping up to your bet. We're not going to do any Look. of this shit. No, here it you is. Could, you could this is what I'm going to cover. Painted head. We would gladly yeah. do that. What I'm going to cover is his new shiny dome in green and yellow. Baby. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it for <laughs> you if you drive up to Seattle. I did that years ago, on, or, or a couple of years ago, on the the uh, uh, the podcast of Champions when I was still writing into it, where uh, Shane made a comment about you know Justin Herbert's not going to win any road games in 2019 you know that quarterback sucks and they can't play on the road and then oregon goes and you know wins all the road games and uh and uh uh so like 
this this statement that Shane made was like seven months prior, but I, of course, immediately made a Google Calendar alert. And uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and so they read great. this on the book. It's like, boy, you're vicious, dude. And I was like, yeah. You know. I mean, he said it. He awesome. said it. I mean, honestly, like accountability is is sorely lacking in this industry. It was um, it was really, you know, so I wrote my UCLA preview on Friday and mm -hmm. uh, as often happens, um, it uh, leaks out to, you know, it winds up on some uh, a Bruin fan board and they're, you know, they're yeah. tearing, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's like, he doesn't understand football at all. And how do you know, these are all cherry picked <laughs> clips. Like you could find, you know, they and, always say that yeah, for you. That's just always like, the funny. Yeah. And I, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's just so, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like I, you know, I debated whether, you know, so I slipped for anybody who reads my article this morning, you know, recapping the game. I slipped the link in to that uh, little forum discussion for anybody <laughs> who wants to check it out. Awesome. Um, so salty. I love it. Yeah. I cheesed off a TCU person, which I thought. Was oh, really yeah. Funny. They called Aaron a heathen. Uh -oh. They wrote into yeah. our website, too. Um, so they're probably of a certain age. But, yeah, it was. That was very funny. We had someone. Well, uh, look over on the addicted to quack uh, Twitter account too. I remember there's just like I think the ducks are at a spot right now where they're kind of hard to shit talk because so many right. people try to bring up like the Georgia loss, like it's gonna hurt someone's feelings, and it's like, dude, that was that was week one. We're looking great right now. Well, we it's like every Oregon fan has processed it. You know, it's just like you're you're not gonna yeah. find any live nerves. You know, going after that. The thing that absolutely not. The thing yeah, that someone just, also said, like, like, are you enjoying your QB for hire? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You We're mean like a great 10 time. out of 12 Pac-12 teams who have transfer quarterbacks? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, who gets mean, to, like, the only two teams who get to make that shit talk are Stanford and UCLA. <laughs> yeah and, and it's like and 2022 it's 2022 <laughs> this is the year like what are you talking about the shit talk that i always enjoy it's it's definitely the most consistent one that i get is uh is being called arrogant like which yeah, yeah. i guess arrogance is like when you make statements about another team which are informed by you know charting and statistical analysis i don't know man like, i don't think okay it's not arrogance if you're right there was this i remember this uh this i mean i had this was a bit of a salty tweet for me to have especially mid mid game this is 1 46 p.m so yeah it's like an hour into the game um no this is hour and a half so like halftime i probably wrote that. i said watch dtr melt in the rain like he's the wicked witch of westwood and then someone said, hey there you go right and then uh someone said they at remind me of this which is apparently a site uh twitter account that will remind you you know uh like a clock mm. he said at remind me of this in two hours and it was like that's that's confident as hell in that game at halftime to be like oh i no, mean i was buddy. worried about it. like that's a diehard fan i guess i was i mean like, it's i think it was it's... my number one worry going into the game it was my number one worry during the game was like you know, all, all no lead is secure when you have a quarterback who can play at that level. I mean, he's a fifth year starter. 
I mean, he played it given the way that the Ducks defense were playing and given how well the offense, Oregon's offense was like limiting his time with the ball. Like he did about as well as you could expect. I mean, really the thing. So after the game, he makes this statement, you know, that it was sort of like the James Winston statement after the Rose Bowl. That was like, I know we got run out of the stadium, but I feel like if we uh, played our you know, level that we would, uh, you know, they couldn't have even competed with us. And it's, you know, so everybody gets a good chuckle out of that, you know, but like, you know, what I, what I, you know, somebody asked me about that. Um, and, you know, I, and basically I said, the thing that, that, that more than anything else, when UCLA had the ball that, that sealed their fate was that they kept settling for field goals. You know, they kicked those mm-hmm. three field goals on their four, you know, uh, uh, red zone trips. And so then I was right. like, okay, so why did they kick those field goals? And so I looked at the three plays prior to each field goal. And on, I think I would say like seven of those nine plays, right. You know, th- 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 the, the three plays prior to the three field goals. So seven of those nine plays, I would say it's the offensive line had a problem you know like they committed a holding penalty or they didn't pick up a blitz or they didn't you know open a uh they allowed a tackle for loss and a run you know etc 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 and uh and so really i felt like more than anything else you know dorian thompson robinson was calling out ucla's offensive line you know when he was saying we should you know if we were playing better i think the we that he was referring to was not really himself but rather his offensive line and which was really you know Man, I wrote a whole article about like UCLA's offensive line is the problem with their offense. You know, it creates this problem, this Hmm. problem, this problem. And like that was the thing that those UCLA fans on that board, I I keep coming back to it. I guess they got under my skin. uh, But that's what they were like. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like this offensive line is phenomenal. I'm like, no, it's not. And you thinking that is going to get you in trouble. And here's Dorian Thompson Robinson calling him out after the game. And, you know, y'all are going home crying. So, you know, somebody owes me an apology. Uh, I, I I mean, not really. Wow. Nobody was me. I love thing. it. But like, I love but I mean, it. I nailed it, dude. Like, I, you know, that they're, <laughs> that this was their offensive line was going to cause get them into trouble, you know, for, for this, that, and the other reason. I think that came true. And I think that's, you know, sort of the turning point in terms of the UCLA's offense. And if they were going to win the game, it had to be through their offense. So therefore, that was the most salient fact about this game. And, you know, it was nailed by yours truly. Get him. all right but not arrogant not arrogant not arrogance if you're right not arrogant if you're right there you go i love it um well let's see how arrogant aaron can be this week Mm, by jumping into our next segment which is of course the bottom 11 bottom 11 The bottom 11 where we go through, well, the Ducks are at the very top. Sometimes, on many a seasons, that was kind of just a joke, we would say. You know, it was like in our hearts, they're number one in the Pac-12. But but right now, oh yeah, baby, they are number one with the bullet. Hard to argue against, especially when you take down the number nine UCLA Bruins. What a game. Of course, Aaron and I both chose the Ducks. Because, I mean, come on. It's it's called the Quack 12. Points! It's called the Quack 12. Remind me what the score is. I'm down by five? You were, okay, so entering this week, I had 39, you had 33, so you're down six. There's only four games this last week, so Oregon we both chose. I chose Arizona State. You chose Stanford. Right. I'm not going to lie. I was tired after game day. 
and doing a bunch of stuff. I remember watching this game and kind of dozing. A lot of these games I straight up didn't watch. Um, one of there's them, only three of them. <laughs> there's only three. I I was very I was a sleepy boy. I watched one of them. This was not that. This was not that game. Arizona versus State versus Stanford. I watched the end of this. I know. I believe uh, it was. Uh, like the kicker was the MVP for Stanford, mm-hmm. that's for sure. I think he scored all the points. Yes, it was five. Oh no, this doesn't sound good for <laughs> five me. Five field goals, no other scores. Well, Aaron, surprisingly, wow. you went with Stanford, and with those five field goals, that was enough to win the game against Arizona yeah, I State. What? Arizona State was getting touchdowns. Uh, Stanford was getting field goals, and Stanford still won. <laughs> And Arizona State, at the same time, Stanford does not come out of this looking like it was a hard win, but it was a good win. Oh, no, Arizona State They almost lost exactly the way they lost. Not exactly, because that is a one billion thing. But basically, the exact same way they lost against Oregon State. It was really, like, if the ASU receiver took the wrong leverage on the ball, if if he played that better that was a touchdown Arizona State wins on the on a last second pass like it would have yeah. been identical wow or not <laughs> it was yeah. amazing that's hilarious like Stanford's shit right. and they're still gonna have David Shaw as their coach and they're gonna pretend like that's like a good thing and they're gonna give I him mean, another million dollars it's, it's hard to say that it's not I like Stanford's in such a weird position yeah. that like maybe he's the best that they, they can hope for in order to navigate their sort of their bureaucracy um although it's if like really like, the yeah. best thing would be for Stanford to like you know become if they wanted to become a football power the first thing they should do is change their bureaucracy so that they can be a football power and then they should fire David Shaw and get a real coach um but if well, they're not yeah, gonna do it, the first they what? probably shouldn't do the second yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, who cares? We're probably not even going to be not. in a conference with. Well, no, we'll probably still, even if we're going to the Big Ten. Yeah, might take who knows? Stanford too. could still be part of that, especially with like the Notre Dame thing. Like, it could very well be part of that. That's fun. Who cares? Anyways, uh, so you got that one by backing the card there, and then Oregon State versus Colorado. You went with Colorado because you were feeling it. Did I? Colorado, you chose them because you thought, hey, they got their first win of the season. Maybe they're a rally. Oregon State still, you know, like checking things out at quarterback. Interesting things going on there. Oregon State freaking dominated. I did not watch this game. I straight up took a nap during this game. 42 to 9. Uh Wow. Holy hell. Oregon State. I mean, Jonathan Smith is a good freaking coach, man. That's all I got to say. And Colorado is a bad team that's kind of a zombie right now. So weird. They were so good just not that long ago. Colorado? Well, during like the COVID season, they had a really good season. Like they got coach of the year for Calder or Pac-12 coach of the year, I believe. They won the South in 2016. They did great. I mean, who's... You know, they were organized in a really disorganized time, and so they deserve all that credit. And I, I was definitely rooting for him. This is, uh, you know, honestly, yeah. I think the bigger takeaway from this is, like, it was 42-9 to 9 for Oregon State, and so it was like, yay, blowout. But, like, Colorado was so bad that actually, if this is sort of like... Oregon State should have killed them more. You know, it was only <laughs> it was only twenty one to three at the at, at halftime. You know, like their their Oregon State's very first play, the quarterback fumbles the ball. Um, 
you know, they they get two touchdowns, you know, in the next two drives, but it takes them like 20 plays to do it. Like it takes a ton of time for them to move against the Colorado defense. Um, you know, they punted, uh, you know, during the first half. Uh, they uh, yeah, like basically a lot of time was coming off the clock when Oregon was Oregon State was possessing the ball. And then also they were letting Colorado get some first downs. Um like, you know, th- this was a game given the, you know, where these two teams are at that like Oregon State should have had this at like 35 to three at halftime. Mm. And instead they were sort of like, they still had to play some football into the third quarter, which like, I know how perverse that sounds, but like in a 42 to nine win, but I sort of came out of it thinking even less of the Beavers than I did before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, as my girlfriend likes to say, they should have been putting up basketball mm. numbers. So uh, I went with Oregon State and I got that one right. Big time. Don't go with Colorado. I'm telling you now, Aaron, just stop picking Colorado. Uh, I, 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 I chose I steered you wrong that one week. But from now on, just don't choose Colorado anymore. I mean, okay, or do whatever I you want. I don't care. Uh, and then the final Maybe game. Maybe I will. Here, depends on who you pick. This was a good one because, like, Cal is coming. No, on. it he's, doesn't. He's, de- it doesn't depend on who you pick. <laughs> okay, good. you should always pick against Colorado. The rest of their schedule yeah, okay, does not it. have a winnable game. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking, but I mean, we're also talking about the team that they beat, Cal, who also, you know, was the team that Arizona beat in their like one win season, or was it two? I forget. No, it was one. Uh, but. Cal no, it was one. Yeah, is is was willing to give those teams a little boost. So they're going against Washington, who, you know, lost against ASU. That was a tough one. Like after being like rocketed up with that Michigan State win, which kind of means not as much at all anymore. Washington kind of fell down. Like their offense is still the the power of the team. Their defense is definitely. And it's a not even their mark. whole offense. It's just their passing off. They it's they do mechanics. one quadrant of football well, huh. that is which is their true. passing offense, which makes them like literally almost every other Pac-12 team. They do one quadrant of football <laughs> acceptably. Yeah, uh, and and not only that, but I mean, this is this is the Cal Washington game. This game is always. Pretty insane, pretty cursed. It was at Cal. That kind of matters, I guess. I mean, you don't get oh the God, Washington home so... crowd. That's I mean, Marshawn Lynch specifically called out the crowd for being too thin on the he sideline swore. while he was being honored and used yeah, profanity he... to do so, which was great. It was great. It was so good. Wow. He said something like, I'm looking around at like these motherfuckers. Oh, <laughs> like he's mid interview. He's like, oh, and then later, so he's like, in that same interview, He's like, oh, uh, and so he just kind of like goes off with it. But later he's like, and I can't believe this shit. Like, he's a <laughs> shit. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> Tiffany so Haddish good. was interviewing. <laughs> She's like, I got a dip. <laughs> like, I can't so be part good. of this anymore. That's funny. So funny. Um, I love it. I love that man. He's so good. I hope. Uh, don't drink they... and drive anymore, Marshawn. But I personally forgive you. Don't do that anymore. I love you. I, I was <laughs> continue I, to be clown. I, I liked that. A, that there were several plays while they were talking to Marshawn Lynch or speculating that he might get uh, in the cart and drive it around that they were not showing or talking about the football game, which meant I didn't, there were plays that I don't have to watch for this God awful yeah. game. And I didn't have to listen to uh, uh, Rod Gilmore 
and uh oh. what's his name the guy who looks like a puppet come to life uh <laughs> dave fleming who scares the hell out of me like his face does not register as a face in my brain uh mm. yeah so <laughs> i didn't have to listen to them and instead got to listen to marshawn lynch and i didn't have to watch cal versus washington i instead got to watch marshawn lynch i was like this is win 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 like yeah He's great. I love him. And he did get in the back of the car. They basically won't. It's bad timing to have him driving crazily around a field, <laughs> probably, is what they were thinking, honestly. Hey. What? Dave Fleming looks fine. Okay. Well, hot, <laughs> hot take from Aaron, maybe. <laughs> that he looks fine. No, he doesn't. Um, he looks like a, a carved doll that came to life. Call, Cal? Somehow almost won this game. I believe it's CGI. Right. Cal was Yes, he looks like CGI game. from that horrible winter train movie that Tom Hanks was in. Like Oh yeah. that gave everybody Polar the Express. Un- AI Polar Express. That gave everybody the uncanny PBGBs. Like that's what he does to me. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. That's you nailed it. That I'll agree with. <laughs> Cal almost won this game, which is embarrassing as hell. Or they were yeah, in this game. They were well, they were in a position late in the game where if they they could make one throw and tie the game and go to overtime, but then they failed. So that didn't but happen. They failed. Yes. And uh I believe like Washington actually was able to get to Plummer quite a few times late in the game. Yeah, because like Cal's offensive really line is just like it, I mean, yeah. it's terrible. Greatwood came back though for a week or whatever yeah. he uh yeah it did not seem to i mean honestly this was another game where like the fact that cal put up 21 points against washington is a huge indictment of washington um like mm-hmm. the fact that that washington only you know they would drive the ball but then they too like their first three possessions are three different field goal attempts and one of them is missed and then their next two possessions are a punt and a turnover on downs like they didn't like it was basically empty possessions for them until the 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 first drive that they got in the se- in the third quarter. Like, yeah, I I don't I mm. I have to do film study on this game. That's my my project this week because I'm otherwise all caught up on Cal and Cal's Oregon's mm. next opponent, and I am not looking forward to it at all. And it went down to the wire as we just you know said like like Cal so had none of its on. garbage time. Yeah, so I don't get to exclude hardly any of this is garbage time. Yeah, man. Like, uh, that's funny. Yeah, send, send um, a little Aaron though. Way. You chose, you chose correct. You chose Washington. So this week, this week you did outperform me, uh, which gets you a little bit closer because now I've got forty-one and you've got thirty-six, and there are five games on the docket this week. All right, I can tie this baby up. Got to pick, yeah, of course. And um, well, we'll have to do that in our most favorite segment. It's a marathon, not a sprint, Aaron. Don't, Don't. Don't pick all against him because that's how you get deeper in the hole. Make wise picks. Here we go. Well, well, we'll see. <laughs> the pick. The picks. That is right. The picks, and I had the schedule up, and it is now not up on my phone. I have to harness the universe real quick. Yeah, do it. Come on. You got. You got like seconds. So, do you okay. got it? Okay, good. So here yeah. we go on a, We're a here. Thursday We're game. A Thursday game. Hmm. hmm. Seems like some chaos will be uh, added to There's this. There's a strong well, chaos possibility for this game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of chaos, we need to add the music. 
Number 14, Utah. Go. Number 14, Utah. Really? Okay. Uh, number 14, Utah at Washington State. That is another chaos element. The Palouse. Oh, my goodness. Um, so the Kooks could really make something out of themselves here. Four out of th- uh, They've got a 4-3 record. Utah 5-2 overall. Um, Utah desperately needs to win this. Otherwise, they are out of the Pac-12 race. I got to go with the Utes here. I'm not thinking this is going to be an upset. Um, Mainly because I don't think Cam Ward's going to have enough to keep up with Utah's offense. And I think Utah's offense is going to be able to score enough, probably just through bullying them around. I don't know. It's hard um, to, to bully Washington's def- Washington State's defense. They they arguably, you know, by certain metrics, have the best defense in the league. Who would you say, mm. if you had to choose, has the best defense in the league? I mean, if, if we are talking, if we're talking about the stats that we should talk about, then the answer is Oregon. Um, but nobody speaks in those terms except for me, so no one's going to believe me when I say that. Um, <laughs> so. I get you. Um, well, obviously, I'm going with Washington State. You're going with Wazoo. It's an apparent and obvious win. They'll be at home. It's on a weird day. It's a guaranteed win. Okay. I'm with Aaron. This is my my wacky pick. I know he didn't make oh, one last week, but yeah. This is, oh, yeah, he didn't. Uh, well, because last that. week, they would just look like you know gross chalk, and that's exactly what happened. Oh, that's right. uh, but like, yeah, this one, I'm not, I, again, I, I am not guaranteeing this is happening. I'm not playing the same you know game as you guys, but like, watch out for this game to be weird and Wazoo to be a lot closer than you think it's going to be. And Utah's going to try to run the ball against them a million times. Cause like when Kyle Whittingham thinks he can do that, he always tries, but then they're, I suspect he's not going to be able to. Um, and like, and, and I think that Diane Hanley's actually a pretty good matchup against Dalton Kincaid. Um, yeah, I think that Utah's mm. going to be in a real dogfight um, with Wazoo at night on the Palouse. Um, you know, with with you know that you know it's going to be cold, which I guess doesn't bother Utah that much. Mm-hmm. But like, it still it sometimes affects the throwing game because quarterbacks can't wear gloves. Um, and, and like, yeah, yeah, it could be. I got one word: fog. Hmm. Oh, you're calling fog on the Palouse. Colin Fogg. If I see Fogg, I'm going to freak out, dude. That's going to be great. <laughs> and there you have it. That is Hiff's <laughs> Wacky Pick of the Week Lock. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's the drop, huh? Guaranteed money. <laughs> Bet now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Life savings <laughs> jackpot. None of those things are true, listener. Cash out your savings. Okay. Oregon, number, holy hell, number eight, Oregon. At California, don't there will not be a home field advantage. <laughs> I'm gonna straight up say that. I'm I'm gonna bet there's. I mean, there could be an earthquake. Like, there could be an earthquake. There could be fog, a dimensional fog, just like when we lost um, the Platy uh, many years ago. I think there's gonna be more Duck fans than Golden Bear fans. Strong possibility. Um, in the stands, and I think this is going to be an easy win. I li- I think the second half will be garbage time, honestly. If it's or not Oregon, screwed up. Yeah, that's what I think. Aaron, what do you think? 
I'm going to go with Cal. No way. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going with okay, Oregon, okay. of course. I mean, I would have loved it, but that was funny. Um, number 10, USC at Arizona. That's uh, that's that's actually pretty intriguing. I've got the lead. It is. So I just want to go with, yeah, the the whatever top. Did I just say a top ten T or what? I, yes, they're they're tied yeah. with Wake Forest for ten. Wow. Yeah, it was I, weird. I I have not paid any attention to Wake Forest. That's amazing. I had no idea. Um, hmm. yeah, I'm just gonna go with the safer bet. That being said, if I had to choose an upset this week, maybe I would go with USC Arizona or Arizona over USC. I don't know. So who are you picking? USC. Okay, well, the more talented Hith team. did say that USC would be who we probably face at the end mm -hmm. in the championship. So that means they have to be on the road to there, which means they have to win this. So maybe there's some pressure there that we're not putting into effect. Arizona is pretty loose. I don't dislike them anymore. I'm going with the Zona. I'm going to go with Arizona. I hope you're right. For the upset. Not, I mean, I I think it's the second yeah. most likely upset possibility of the week. Hmm. Honestly, you, you never know. And it's like... I mean, I don't Arizona think that team. USC's pass defense is, is that good. And, uh, yeah. and I think that Arizona is going to be able to take advantage of it. And if they could just not throw interceptions, which, you know, USC didn't get any interceptions against Utah, that streak may be over. Um... Like, yeah, the Arizona could actually move the ball pretty effectively against USC. I mean, the problem is that Arizona can't stop the run at all, and USC yeah. has Travis die, so mm. this one's you know probably gonna go that way, but it could Maybe be Travis more of a shootout die fumbles the ball. Oh boy. Uh <laughs> Arizona, three recoveries, one off a of fumble, two off interception. Wow, look at you. One of those will be a pick six. And you track these side bets that yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do this. I'm, well, I mean, his his one was that the uh, or last week was that the football was going to explode on a special teams kick, and metaphorically there was that onside, which was kind of explosive. <laughs> it exploded. I'm saying you should write these down. Schroeder man. Fuchsius like, predicts. Okay. Yeah, this is a lot okay. like Nostradamus. We're like, well, if you interpret it with hindsight, you know, yeah. I forgot about right, it. Right. Oh, thank you, Nostradamus, not Confucius. I like it. I like it. Um, here we go. Schroeder Domus. Schroeder Domus. And uh, ba 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 ba. We got Arizona State at Colorado. Aaron, have you chosen your? Have you learned your lesson? Because I know what I'm doing. I'm even. You have to pick. First. Even though Arizona State, I mean, they bad. I still think. That this team with an interim coach is better than the other team with the interim coach. I'm going with Arizona State. Yeah, this is the interim off. Yeah. I'm sorry, Arizona State and who? Colorado. Oh, Colorado. I'm not supposed to pick them. Arizona State, though, is bad. Colorado bad. beat Cal. That's something. At home, which That's... this game is. This game's in Folsom Field. And you're going with Arizona State? Mm -hmm. I got to back the Buffman, baby. It. I love them too much. I, I hope you're I could right. See it happening. Completely. I could, I could kind of see it happening. Who knows? And it's only going to be because of 
luck that they win. Okay. They'll look like an amazing team somehow, but it'll be like not it, it'll be nothing that is their own doing. I love it. And then okay, so one of these teams coming off a win, one of these teams coming off a loss. Stanford at number twelve, UCLA. I think UCLA is is going to be able is actually going to blow the doors off this one. Um, even though Stanford's having a little bit of a comeback, I think UCLA is still a very efficient offense, and that'll be basically the end there. Look, we popped the potato bag, right? Mm-hmm. And it's nothing but chirps Kelly from here on out. He's crickets, baby. I'm going Stanford, wow. Ryder. Oh man, if the day tells you, don't blow your load. I have to go against UCLA. Chirp Kelly is my nemesis. You, did you choose? There's no way I'm ever going to vote for everyone but the Oregon Cal game. <laughs> and you even upset. joked about choosing Cal. You chose the underdog. <laughs> you ready for that? I mean, if he's right, though, yeah, I'm ready to take. If he's right, Look, then this I'm, week oh is going to be filled with magic and mystery. We're talking Halloween is around. I mean, Stanford oh. had UCLA's number for like evil eight out there. games. Like, it's possible. I mean, I can see it is the Pac-12. I can see any of those individual games happening. Yo. I can't see all of them happening. But yeah. um, hey. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. The kids are gonna be partying, dude. Don't expect anything on Halloween. All right. Well, or expect everything on Halloween. That was uh, that was the picks, y'all. Uh, absolutely fantastic round there. Um, wow, what another amazing episode of the Quack Twelve podcast, especially with the guest yeah. uh, our our guest Hithliday of Addicted to Quack. Please. Go read his duck dive of the Oregon-UCLA game. Uh, go read the extra little bit of salt that he put on it. It sounds especially tasty at the UCLA haters. Uh, and follow us at Quack 12 Podcast. Also, help us out. Why don't you go give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Give yeah. us five stars on Spotify. Go to Patreon. Give us five dollars. That's that's the three for five deal. That's the three for five deal that we just came up with that. Um, Do that, and we'll win every game, and we'll go to a national championship, and we'll beat Georgia in the rematch. Sound like a plan? Break. Yep. All right. Thanks, Hithliday, for uh, joining the podcast yet again. Uh, It was my pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you guys. Take care. Absolutely. And uh, Aaron, before we head out, do you have another yeah. super specific prediction over Cal? No, I don't. Oh. But I do have some parting words. Okay. And I do believe this is a quote from Bo Nix, as heard uh, accidentally on air at the end of the game. Boy, I'm going to get fucked up tonight. No way. Did, <laughs> did you really? I'll leave that mystery. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're pretty sure. Okay. I have it on the DVR. I will find the clip. I think they accidentally had a mic pass pointing at him as they're celebrating. <laughs> Are you sh- like, there's minutes left, and they're just celebrating and having a good time on field, and I'm pretty sure he says, boy, I'm going to get fucked up Honestly, tonight. he deserves it. Way to go, bro. Yes, he does. Absolutely. Okay, well, hey, same goes for all three of us, right? You got to celebrate this yeah, baby. UCLA game. We're all going to go get fucked up. We'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs)